Hi, this is Evan Irwin, and you are listening to Yo MTG Taps. Um, well, let's just start off with the biggest news and big, 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 big news. pun intended. Big, big news. Big like a 12-12 mythic rare. Yes. For 10 mana. Sounds pretty big. Sound about accurate. So uh, what we've actually got is a the first official Rise of the Eldrazi spoiler. Spoilered on Daily MTG uh, this morning. Did you say spoilered? Spoilered. It has yeah. been spoilered. <laughs> spoilered on Daily MTG. Um, we're going to tell you what it does, but for those of you who haven't seen it, you need to actually take a look at the way they spoil it on the, uh, on the official site. So go to Daily MTG and check out the Magic Arcana for uh, today, March 1st. Happy March, everybody. Um, because it was just really cool. It was, it was it a was. way to do it. So we won't, we won't elaborate on that. We're just going to tell you what the card does, and we're going to talk about it. Okay, so we have Kozilek, Butcher of Truth. You want to you wanna read this, or you want me to? I Go ahead. Okay, uh, he is 10 uh, mana of any color. Colorless. or Completely you know. colorless. He is completely colorless to the point where his card frame is, uh, is clear. I mean, obviously it's going to be cardboard, but the card frame itself, <laughs> it kind of you know has a clear look to it, which is pretty awesome. And, and that's significant because he's colorless, but he is not an artifact. He is a legendary creature, Eldrazi, Mythic Rare, 12-12. When you cast Kozilek, Butcher of Truth, draw four cards. Firstly, mm. it's not when he comes into play, it's when you cast him. So he gets canceled or counterspelled or essence scattered. You're still drawing four cards because when you cast him, you draw four cards. Um, that's already significant. But he has yet another ability, Annihilator 4. Yeah! Whenever this creature attacks, defending player sacrifices four permanents. Eh, it's a little bit disgusting. So Ken Nagel had nothing to do with Rise of the Eldrazi? Uh, yeah, I'm sure he had plenty to do with it. He just wasn't the lead designer. Okay, because I'm like, man, like, this is such a this is such a Ken Nagel card. Like, right. It, it, I mean, it, it looks like it. They're huge creatures. So. Huge-ass creatures with crazy abilities. Well, and speaking of, you know, here we have... Annihilator, which is crazy, but we've even got an, uh, you know, one more ability on this guy. Uh, when Kozilek is put into a graveyard from anywhere, its owner shuffles his or her graveyard into his or her library. Why is that significant? It's like Progenitus Plus. Right, like, so right. It's, when I first read it, I skimmed it and went, oh, okay, like he, Progenitus. But Joe pointed out that you shuffle your entire graveyard into your library, not just Kozilek. So... Yeah. Kozilek goes to the graveyard, and now everything you had in there is back in. So. Gaia's blessings back in stand. Yeah, it's, it's like a guy's blessing, kind of. Goodbye, like, well, viable you know, mill strategy. Yeah, there's shame. Any mill strategies, right? I mean, if people actually want to take up a card slot with something like this, but I, I kind of wonder 
the obvious reason for that particular ability to me is to keep it from being able to uh, keep people from being able to play Rise from the Grave on it because obviously it's huge. It's twelve, twelve, you know. And if being able to play Rise from the Grave and put it into play and then you know attack on the, your next turn and have them sacrifice four permanents, uh, it's a pretty powerful. So of course, you put him in a graveyard, he gets shuffled back in along with everything else, as we mentioned. But um, in, uh, in Extended, there's Makeshift Mannequin. You can respond to that trigger and still uh, and, and play Makeshift Mannequin and get him back. I- I'm not saying that that's actually viable, but that is something to, to consider. Oh, yeah, and he's 12-12. Did we mention yeah, that? Yeah, we did. I mentioned okay, that. Okay, I wasn't sure. So, I mean, he's, a, he's 12-12 for 10. I mean, that's a bargain. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Passes the vanilla test. The art on it's really neat. The art is beautiful. I lo- yeah, the clouds in the background are really pretty. Um, there are a couple of things we can we can kind of assume. We did want to mention this. Are you going to go there? Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of things we can assume from this card being spoiled. Number one, I think that the the last ability on Kozilek is going to be seen on probably all of the Eldrazi. That's what I was getting at, too, but somehow I got... That's okay. I, di- I digressed a bit. Right, I think that we're going to see that ability on all of the Eldrazi to prevent things like Rise from the Grave being abused. Um, just because they are super, super powerful creatures. And, um, I mean, hopefully, for the sake of people who like to play mill decks, I kind of hope that they all don't say its owner shuffles his or her graveyard into his or her library, because that'll just literally destroy... Any sort of mill strategy whatsoever. So, so think about this now. Uh, what cards right now? Because Jace the Mind Sculptor exiles a library, so that that isn't hurt by that. But right. Jace Bellerin's ultimate is sort of irrelevant because of something like this, right? Especially if they all have it, as as we are speculating, right? Um, what other mill cards are there in standard right now? Archive Trap, right? Uh, Hedron Crab, okay. Um, uh, mind funeral. Mind funeral. Right. I'm just kind of just kind of thinking about that, and I also wonder if that gives more reason for them to not reprint Jay Speller in, in M11 as we were talking about last week, because huh. if if his ultimate is a mill strategy, yet they've got these creatures, these mythic rares that are huge and all kind of uh, make mill strategy sort of irrelevant, then they might not want to clash those, especially considering. Little kids, new players, casual players, Timmies, whatever you want to call them, uh, the group that are going to be uh, especially attracted to the Eldrazi are going to be the ones, you know, are the ones being targeted by something like M11. I can't remember if I said it on the podcast or not, but I, I definitely said in the last month, mark my words, and I like to say that a lot, Rise of the Eldrazi is going to be the ultimate Timmy set. Oh, yeah. I think I said that like like a while back. I was like, this is going to be the ultimate Timmy set. This set is going to just drive Timmy's freaking crazy. Um, it's it, it's great. I'm really excited. So I think I think well, first of all, the first thing we can um, assume at this point, um, if if that is true, it's probably time to trade Jace. Jace Bellerin. Bellerin. Okay. I think it's time to trade Jace Bellerins while you can still get ten bucks each for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's time to start picking up. Your um, Eye of Ugin. Yes, because Eye of Ugin, um, it's, well, it's gone everywhere now. Um, it's, yeah, pretty much when this card was spoiled, people kind of... J- 
jumped on the any kind of uh, little kind of feeling that they had about maybe I should get Eye of Ugin because it could be good. I don't know. Everybody that was feeling that way and saw this went and bought them all. Star City Games is sold out at $5 each. And, you know, speculation is that they'll go higher. I mean, the more Eldrazi creatures we see, the more, uh, the more value that card has. So uh, another significant thing about Kozilek is his, uh, his number. Yes. He's six out of 248, which, uh, which is kind of odd because white cards tend to be at the front of the set. They're always the earliest numbered uh, cards. So back, if you remember back when uh, they spoiled Ardent Plea um, from Alara Reborn, mm -hmm. Ardent Plea was number one out of 145, and it's a multicolored card, which basically said this whole set is multicolored. Right. There are no white cards before it. Um, so, of course, with Kozilek being number six out of 248, we can assume that either there is one white card, one, one blue card, one black card, one green card, and one red card, mm -hmm. and he is the first of the colorless. <laughs> right? right? There are no artifacts or lands, apparently, which of course is wrong because there are basics. Right. Um, or... We have the five basic lands, right? You know, Plains, Island, Forest, Swamp, Mountain are one through five, and he's number six, and the rest of the set is colorless. And there are no artifacts and no colored cards, which kind of makes it pointless to have basic lands in the deck, in, in the set, if there is no reason to have any, to produce any colored mana. Right. Or... The Eldrazi spells, or the colorless spells, they might be all one and the same. All the colorless spells may be considered Eldrazi spells. Um, all the non-artifact uh, colorless spells may be considered Eldrazi spells. Anyway, they may be put before white in the uh, in the numbering of the set. I mean, that's... I think that's the most likely thing to happen. Right. Um, the reason for that is simply because Kozilek starts with a K. And I'm... I highly doubt that anything, that there's any cards out of the colorless spells, it just seems very unlikely that there would be nothing before the letter K. Right, or so, very little before the letter K. Right. Or, so my, my guess is that they have the colorless spells first, and then it's going to be into white, blue, black, red, green, right. artifact, or multicolor if they decide to do that, artifacts, lands. Right. Um, just simply because, just based on the alphabet, them, I really don't see them coming up with 200 and... 200, yeah, 242 more colorless spells that all are after the, the letter K. You yeah. Know, all alphabetically come after Kozilek, Butcher of Truth. So, there could be Kozilek... Carrier of disease or something, he would be right after. It'd be a whole bunch of of the same legend. <laughs> we're, we're both Joe, That's and true. we happen to be on the same podcast. So maybe like it's like oh, it's just a bunch of Kozileks yeah. running around in Zendikar. Like, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, seriously though, I wonder if um, there's probably probably fifteen mythic rares, and it's supposedly a large set, so that makes sense. I wonder if all 15 are legendary Eldrazi's, and that's going to be the, uh, they're going to be the first 15 cards of the set. Because K kind of falls, you know, it's the 11th letter of the alphabet, and it's kind of near the middle, right? And then 6 out of 15 is kind of near the middle, you know? So you wonder if they're going to have, not that they would have, not that that needs to actually conform to some sort of alphabet. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, maybe 
cards number 1 through 15 are all the Mythic Rares, they're all Eldrazi's, they're all colorless, huge guys. And then after that, card number 16 is the first white card, and there are no Mythics in uh, any of the other colors or now, lands. Now, the reason why I think that that's not going to be true... Actually, let me, let me, let me bring this up, because I really want to show you this. So, okay, so Joe hasn't seen this yet. Back in, on December 14th, Mark Rosewater posted an article, and in it he put a teaser paragraph about Rise of the Eldrazi. And um, Joe hasn't seen this yet, and we're going to look at it and see what we can infer now, looking at... Uh, based, on, based on the limited information we've gotten in the last, what, two and a half months since he posted it? Right, and mostly from the spoiled card. Right. So, here, so I'm going to say blank where he left it blank. Blank of the blank is going to be a blank built around the blank blanks, all of which have no blank and are blank. For example, there are two blanks at blank, the blank of which is 7-7. Seven, seven. All of the blanks have a new blank called blank. Blanks with blank have a blank. Whenever a blank with blank blanks, the blank blank must blank that many blanks. The blanks are very blank, but there are blanks that can create 0-1 blanks called blank blank that can be blank to blank one blank blank to your blank blank and will help you be able to blank the blanks. In wow. addition, the blank has a new blank called blank blank. You may spend blank on blank with blank blank to improve their blanks and blanks. This limited blank is much blank than the one in blank. So, so did you get all that? Did you get it? <laughs> Actually, it, it's, it seems like pretty clear he's talking about Annihilate, uh, and I think the rumored level up ability, which, did you hear about that? Yes. Okay, that was, uh, another rumor was that you could pay a certain amount and level up your your creature, um, and so I think he was talking about that here at the end, too, like somehow it'll level it up, meaning maybe it'll give it more power and toughness or some sort of extra ability. Sort of like Figure of Destiny, where right. you can pay and have it sort of level up. What's really interesting is that the Annihilator ability was spoiled like two months ago. Right. And so now that we can give that uh, rumor credence. Exactly. Because it has been proven to be true. Uh, at least the Annihilator ability. So quite possibly those other abilities that were spoiled are most likely in Rise of the Eldrazi. I mean, if you figure if they got one right, they probably got them all right. They had to get the information from somewhere, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, somebody definitely knew, or definitely knew something. What I've, from what I've heard, somebody apparently believes that, or somebody's claiming to have a, an uncut foil sheet. That's right. Um, so let's see, did you want to try to speculate a little bit on the blanks? Yes. So we have... Um, Blank of the blank, so we have Rise of the Eldrazi, is going to be a colorless, or it's going to be a set built around the, probably the Eldrazi's, the cult, something, the mythic Eldrazi's, so something legendary Eldrazi's, I don't know if, when I'm saying legendary and mythic, right. I don't mean in card terms, Right. I just mean legendary Eldrazi's, all of which have, have no, no color, color, and are, what, legend mythic, legendary? Probably, probably legendary. Right. For example, there the are two blank Eldrazi's at... I'm thinking that this is Eldrazi... Somebody had... I forget who had speculated on this, but somebody speculated before that it was... There are two Eldrazi's at common, uh -huh. or, or uncommon, the smallest or largest of which is 7-7. Seven, seven. Right, right. So, so I'm thinking that they might not all be mythic. 
Okay, so that was what you were getting. That's at. what I was inferring before. Uh, is that that's a very po- very that's very possible. All the Eldrazi's have a new ability called Annihilator. Annihilate. Eldrazi's with Annihilate have a number. Whenever uh, uh, Eldrazi, Eldrazi with, with Annihilate, Annihilate attacks, attacks, the, the defending, defending player must sacrifice that many permanents. The Eldrazi's are very large, <laughs> but there right. are somethings that can create zero one tokens. Maybe right. called blank blank Eldrazi stoppers that can be uh, <laughs> that can be blank sacrificed to you know to to put one Eldrazi creature to your exile zone that <laughs> will be able to help you be something able to the Eldrazi cast, cast the Eldrazi's oh that's possible <clears throat> in addition. The set, the set has, has a, a new, new ability called Level, level up, up. You maybe. may spend blank on, on on Eldrazi with Level Up to improve their power and toughnesses, or something like that. Yeah. Powers and t- this limited format is much tougher than the one in Zendikar. Right, or much shinier. I don't know. <laughs> it could be anything, but it's much blank than the one in blank. But I, I think we got a lot... I mean, there's a lot of speculation in here, but I think there's a lot that we're definitely on to something now that we've seen this. Um, I think that we can get a lot out of this paragraph. So, makes me think, what's the real story behind Walking Atlas? Because Walking Atlas, printed in World Wake, is, you know, uh, what is it, 1-1 one, one for 2? Tap yes. it to put a land from your hand into play. <clears throat> sort of irrelevant. Except for the fact that it was supposedly a misprint that it was... Uh, Printed as non-artifact, you know, right. it did not have an artifact uh, type or artifact on its type line. So, um, and then they went back and they rotted it and said, "Okay, no, it's supposed to say artifact." Seems kind of like a big screw up for a company that hasn't done anything like that really in almost fifteen years. You know, since the beginning. Okay, so almost twelve years, let's say. What was just, the card that was printed well, with a green background? It was like Serendip Ifrit, was it? Yes, yeah, one of those Ifrit. Ifrits that was like green, but it cost blue. Like it, the frame was green, but the co- the mana cost was blue. So, anyway, they haven't done, they haven't made uh, that many kind of, that that kind of error in a long time, and it seems kind of pretty. It it, it seems like kind of an obvious error, and. Coupled with the fact that now we have colorless non-artifact spells, was was Walking Atlas in Rise of the Eldrazi, and they bumped it to World Wake and forgot to change it, or what? What is it? What's the story there? Some kind of you know, it's kind of a weird thing. It still could have been a mistake. I'm not saying it really wasn't a mistake, but I really wonder like how that kind of mistake got made, or, or kind of seeing a colorless non-artifact card makes me kind of realize how a mistake could get made with Walking Atlas if it was bumped from one set to another. Uh, You know, Ken Nagel said that Oren Reef, the Vastwood, was in Worldwake and got bumped up to Zendikar. So, you know, we associate these cards with certain sets, but in in R&D, they're kind of shuffling them around a bit, depending Mm -hmm. on the ability, obviously. So... Something like that could have happened. But it's kind of interesting to think about. Um, if you want to uh, also today, spoiled, or, or however you want to look at it, uh, we have the basic land art from Rise of the Eldrazi. Well, at least um, one of each. One of each of the basic lands, right. Because they are apparently being released as playmats. Um, 
you can take a look at the artwork on mananation.com. It's up on there. Uh, we've got, you know, obviously one of each basic. They look awesome. They really, to me, that's what I was saying to Joe, they look like some sort of like... Alien landscape. Alien landscape with like, or, or like regular landscape with these weird alien pods in them. And because you can see like the Zendikons and things in them. It reminds me of some sort of crazy sci-fi, you know, Battlestar Galactica kind of thing. Star Trek, or I, I don't know. I don't really follow that many of the space sci-fi stuff. I like the... Uh, I like to think more like Predator, maybe. I mean, because uh, oh, yeah, Rexiel really like looks like Predator. <laughs> yeah, Maybe it's like the planet where the Predator's from. Yeah, it's just... They're kind of neat-looking, so you should check out com to take a look at those playmats. Also, there's an uh, a playmat for Eye of Ugin. Yes. Uh, there's going to be a playmat for that, and there's some other World Wake playmats as well. The uh, the Five Manlands they made playmats of. Oh, so. really? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I love the Manlands, but... I just really wish they would have made one of the uh, box, buy a box promo for Celestial Colonnade. Oh, yeah, that would have been pretty cool. That would have been really wicked, but, you know, still, it's cool that they made them. My problem with this, with that kind of thing, like, I like to have, I like to buy a playmat that's sort of generic. I want it to be something that I use for years, and if I buy one that has, for example, Celestial Colonnade on it, when, uh, you know, the fall set comes out, I'm going to be like, well, this is from the last set, like... Uh, or, or especially, like, the further out in time I go, I'm going to be like, I need a new playmat, because this is from, this card's from an old set. Well, that's how they like, keep you buying playmats. Well, that's why I buy generic playmats. Yeah. <laughs> right, I had a green one for years, and I just gave it to Joe, and I have a blue one on the way. Same thing, it's the Dragon Shield playmats that are just uh, kind of generic looking. But I also have a Sarah Angel playmat, which, to me, is sufficiently generic enough, because it's uh, Sarah Angel, she's a classic. It is the new art for Sarah Angel, but I love that art, so it's got Black Lotus and Sarah Angel on it. That's a, one of the playmats I have. But anyway, moving along, I just wanted to kind of comment on, about playmats. And if you don't have a playmat, they're really worth having, I think. Um, they keep your die from rolling off the table, that's for damn sure, when you're trying to roll who goes first. Yeah. Or playing Plane Chase, where it really helped me the other day. Yeah. Because I was just like, I kept rolling my die off the table. I'm like, hold on. I like pushed all my cards aside, <laughs> spread out my playmat, put it all back. I was like, okay, here we go. And then I rolled, and it rolled off the table again. But oh, uh, wow. that's just because I was just being a little too crazy with it. I like to have them for a couple of reasons. One, it kind of defines a play space for you. Um, when you're at a tournament, and you're sitting at a table with a bunch of other people, being able to lay out a playmat, even if the guys to your left and right both have playmats also, and they kind of overlap a little bit because it does kind of get cramped sometimes, at least you have sort of like a defined amount of space that you can say, get your cards, get your deck off of my playmat, you know, that kind of thing, to the guy next to you or something. Um, I just like, and usually that doesn't happen. If you've got a playmat, you just, nobody's going to put their stuff on your playmat. I've never seen that happen, actually. Um, because they see it. It's like, oh, that's that guy's space. So I, I like that. Also, at the um, at one of the pre-releases we were at, they had tables that were just terrible. It was like somebody took like a, a saw to the top of like some kind of crazy like sand or, or something uh, to all the tables. And it was like, man, if you're not playing with sleeves, the back of your cards are just a mess. If you are playing with sleeves, the back of your sleeves are now a mess because just t tapping them was like putting spirals on the backs of the cards. It was like playing on sandpaper or something. And I was like, I'm so glad I have a playmat because this is terrible. Anyway, moving along. So we have some uh, some more news from the weekend. We move along to uh, 
GP Madrid was the, probably the big event of the weekend. Another big pun intended, right? Because GP Madrid... Magic's pretty big right now. Yeah, it shattered the attendance record for any previous... I think pretty much any previous constructed tournament. But actually, I think it might be any previous Magic tournament ever. With 2,220 players at the time of registration, like, closing. Patrick Chapin tweeted that there were actually 2,225 players due to a couple late registrants. But I, I wasn't there. I don't know. But... You get a, get the idea, you know. Like, it was a heck of a lot people. of players, yeah. Um, the previous record was 1,961, which is also a heck of a lot of people. That was in Paris uh, back in, I believe, November, and it was Zendikar Limited. Um, but this was Legacy, so this is a constructed tournament, and it's a format that has actually been in a lot of discussions recently because of Star City Games having their Legacy Opens all year, Legacy is kind of coming back because it's more relevant. There's more tournaments. Um, more people want to play it. And, of course, that leads to the discussion about the reserved list and the, uh, you know, the Phyrexian Negator thing being reprinted. So there's, all this is sort of relevant to each other. Um, this was a Legacy tournament. The previous Legacy record was Grand Prix Chicago, and it had 1,230 players. So almost 1,000 more players. Almost twice as many players uh, in this tournament. And, I mean, I, I put on Twitter when I saw that, I was like, there goes the reserved list. Because to me, this is perfect uh, evidence that players want to play Legacy. Yeah. Thousands and thousands of people want to play Legacy. Um, it's impressive. certainly is. Now, we're not going to pretend we followed it or anything, because we don't really play Legacy. Right, and, uh, because I can't afford the cards, so there's no reason for me to follow it. <laughs> Maybe if they reprinted a lot of the cards in something like Chronicles. Sorry, Lloyd. So, uh, so obviously, we, uh, we didn't exactly follow it, but just to give you the, the news for those of you who do, uh, who do care about Legacy, it was won by Andreas Muller. Playing Jund. Playing Jund in Legacy. No, we're kidding. <laughs> He was playing a reanimator list, which uh, I think that's always really neat. I like reanimator. It's one of those decks that I've always kind of liked. Do you want to read about the deck list? Sure. Uh, I'll run down the deck list real quick. So the lands, there are 16 lands in the deck. It runs two Bloodstained Mire, two Island, four Polluted Delta, two Swamp, four Underground Sea, and two Verdant Catacombs. Uh, creatures are Blazing Archon. Blazing Archon was... Uh, was it Ken Nagel's first card he ever designed, or Mike Turian's? I think it was the first card that one of those two ever designed. I don't remember. Um, I, I think I saw it in the dev chat the other day. Oh, okay. um, so anyway, <laughs> uh, Blazing Archon, uh, one Imperial Archangel, two Inkwell Leviathan, two Iona Shield of Emeria, one Sphinx of the Steel Wind, four Brainstorm, four Careful Study, one Dark Ritual, four Days, one Echoing Truth, four Entomb, four Exhum, four Force of Will, four Mystical Tutor, four Reanimate, one show and tell, and two thought sees. The sideboard was one animate dead, one chain of vapor, one echoing truth, one Hercules recall, one Iona, one misdirection, two perish, one show and tell, three spell pierce, one sphinx of the steel wind, one wipe away, and one woodfall primus, whatever the hell that does. And um, Woodfall primus is from Shadowmoor. Oh, well. It's a 6-6 six, six for three green and five more. Treefolk shaman... It's got Trample. Whenever it comes into play, destroy target non-creature permanent. Mm -hmm. And it's got Persist. Yeah. So, obviously, just a bunch of ridiculous creatures in here that uh, 
the typical reanimator deck basically just plays and says, I'm going to try to put creatures into my graveyard somehow, like with Entomb, for example, which lets you tutor up a creature and drop it in your graveyard. And then I'm going to dig it out with something like Reanimate or Exhum, which uh, I used to do that. I had a Reanimator list I back remember. in 2002. It was mono, it mono black. Uh, no, I don't have it together. That's one of the rare lists that I didn't keep, or rare decks that I didn't keep together. Anyway, yeah, you Dark Ritual, Entomb, and then play Exhum, which each player chooses a creature from their graveyard and puts it into play. Uh, and, of course, your opponent doesn't tend to have a creature in their graveyard on turn one, or even sometimes later in the game. So uh, that's how that is kind of uh, kind of a beating, when you can go turn one Iona, naming whatever color they happen to be playing. If, oh but God. you do need to know what color they're playing. Yeah, so no, doing true. it on turn one might not be the best yeah, idea. Yeah, turn but... one you're probably going to go for Sphinx of the Steel Wind. <laughs> yeah, that's or, a fair enough. Uh... Or something like that. Yeah, so crazy. What uh, does Blazing Archon say? Creatures Blazing Archon, attack. creatures can't attack you. So like basically... You can attack, but they can't. Right. Your opponent can't. So, uh, pretty cool. Uh, neat, damn cool. neat legacy list there. Um, the other events of the weekend, because it was kind of a busy weekend, we had um, Star City Games 5K in Richmond, Virginia. They had a standard open on Saturday and a legacy open on Sunday, which tends to be their their pattern. That's what they're doing, the standard on Saturday and the legacy on Sunday. Uh, it was a record-shattering weekend for them as well. It's the largest Star City Games standard open so far, and the largest legacy open as well. Uh, the standard one was won by Alex uh, Bertoncini. Uh, he played against Alessandro Culotti. Uh They both were playing Jund decks in the finals. Um, so it was Jund on Jund. And uh, S- Bill Stark from the Starkington Post actually posted on Twitter, um, because the, the event was covered by Good Games Live, they tend to be covering all the uh, all these major events, which is pretty freaking awesome, as we mentioned in a past episode. So anyway, uh, he he wrote on Twitter, "Poor Good Games Live." When they announced the finals were Jund versus Jund, they lost three hundred viewers. And I think we'll just leave our comments to that. <laughs> we everything we have to say about Jund, we said last week. So if you think we talked too much about Jund last week, just take half of it and pretend it was this week, and that way it evens out. There you go. So. Uh, that was uh, that was the standard open. Now we have the legacy open on Sunday, which was won by Tariq Zazam playing Merfolk versus a reanimator list by Colosso Fuentes. The winning deck list was, as I said, Merfolk. Uh, the deck list for that is yeah, let's go for it. So yeah. Merfolk, we had four Ethervile, four Curse Catcher, four Lord of Atlantis, two Merfolk Sovereign, four Merorigery. Four Silvergill Adept and four Greedy Tarmogoyfs. Um, <laughs> the Merfolk version, is that right? Yeah. The Merfolkgoyf. Creature, Merfolkgoyf. Um, enchantments, four Standstill. Instance, four Days, four Force of Will. Two Umazawa's Jite. Four Islands. One Flooded Strand. Two Misty Rainforest. Four Mutavolt. Two Scarding, Scarding Talm. Scalding Tarn. Three Tropical Island and four Wastelands. Sideboard was f- one Pithing Needle, one Relic of Progenitus, one Tormod's Crypt, two Waterfront Bouncer. I'm just curious. It's from uh, Mercadian Masks, it's just like a, a spell shaper that bounces something. There you go. Mer- Waterfront Bouncer is from Mercadian Masks. One, one for a blue and one. Tap a blue and tap it. Discard a card from your hand. Return target creature to its owner's hand. So it's an unsummon on a stick. Exactly. 
one Threads of Disloyalty, one Blue Elemental Blast, respect, one Hydro Blast, respect, uh, two Crows in Grip, two Ravenous Trap, and three Spell Pierce. It looks like an extended deck. Yeah, it really does. I mean, Besides Tim, like some of the obvious like Force of Will. Yeah, but... Tim practically has this deck together. Right. Um, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, so, Tim, go ahead and pick up four Stand Still, four Aether Vial. Four Tarmogoyf. For Tarmogoyf, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, and then not be able to afford rent next month. There you go. Uh, uh, so, so pretty cool. Um, yeah, pretty exciting weekend, especially for people who are fans of Legacy and um, can afford playing Legacy. I'm definitely a fan of uh, the format getting more attention. Yes, But absolutely. at the same time, it needs to get a little more support from, uh, from Wizards, um, you know, in terms of, like, making the cards a little more available, in our opinion. But we're going to have Lloyd and Mark, I think, Mark is Lloyd's younger brother. We're going to have them on the uh, podcast here in the next couple weeks, and we're going to have a do a little roundtable discussion on uh, the reserve list because it'll be a lot of fun. So we'll we'll save the we'll save any more comments on yeah. the reserve list for that time because we want to kind of keep this as a shorter episode today. Right. And speaking of which, I think we're about ready to wrap up. Damn. Isn't that quick? That was quick as hell. Yeah. Awesome. So, so uh, yo, MTG Taps news. We have stickers. Stickers are available. So if you would like a sticker, you can email us at yoMTGtaps at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail. That's right. At 331MTGtaps. You can check us out on Twitter at twitter.com slash yoMTGtaps. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash affinity for blue. That's right. Um, and uh, you can check out my blog at affinityforislands.com. You can check out Joe's blog at otherworldlyjourney.blogspot.com. You can um, check out the awesome new artwork for Basic Lands on mananation.com. And you can check out information on the upcoming Baltimore Open on baltimoremtg.com. You want to uh, talk about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Saturday, March 13th, they, we are having the Baltimore Open and it's going to be at the Sheraton Inner Harbor in downtown Baltimore. There are two Sheratons downtown, which is a little confusing. Because um, I was looking, I was standing on the bus stop waiting to go home from the one Sheraton. And I looked north a couple blocks, and there was another Sheraton. I was like, oh, wow. I hope some people didn't like go to that one by mistake. <laughs> so um, it's the Sheraton at 300 South Charles Street, and it's going to be in the Lock Raven Room. Registration is from 9 a.m. until 10.30, and the tournament should start around 10.30. Uh, the tournament's $30 to enter, $25 if you pre-register on BaltimoreMTG.com. Um, this tournament is going to be $1,000 for first prize. Um, and the top 16 finishers, second prize will get $400, third and fourth will get $150 each, 5th through 8th will get $100, and 9th through 16th will get $50 a piece. So, pretty awesome chances to come and win some cash, or at least play Magic for free all day. Um, so, come out to that. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, I think uh, I'll definitely be there. I don't know if Joe will be there. Maybe you can show up to trade a little bit in the morning, at least. If you, you know, if you don't if you don't stick around all day. Right, definitely right. a lot of good trading going on, for sure. I, I traded with every single person there awesome. while I was uh, at the tournament judging last time. Um so, so that sounds like a lot of fun, and uh, uh, any any other local players or anybody really because it's relevant to everybody. But um, I, I wanted to mention o2drop.com again. Oh yeah, um, those guys um, are, are working on kind of getting this website off the ground. Free content. Zero two drop.com. No dash. No space. 
So just check it out if, uh, if you're a local player or if you're not and you just want some more magic content. Um, they've got vintage, they've got uh, standard, legacy, extended, EDH. So pretty cool. Check it out. Um, also want to shout out to the guys from Dredge for Humor. The podcast. Yeah, definitely. Thank, thank them for their shout-out. If you listen to Dredging for Humor, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. They, they referenced my interviews with Ken Nagel and Pat Chapin. And so, so let's answer, let's answer their, uh, like the, their, their speculation about you. Were, you. were you pretty damn nervous and pretty damn excited? I was. Here's the thing. I, I interviewed Chapin first. Okay. I was definitely nervous interviewing him. But once I got, like, Evan was such a cool guy. Chapin was a cool guy, too. But I was just nervous, just naturally. Um, Evan, actually, I interviewed last. Plus, he's such a cool guy. And Ken Nagel, same thing. Like, all of them were awesome. They were all great and very, very, like, friendly, cool people. But I think my, I was more nervous with Chapin because it was the first interview I did than I was with Ken Nagel and, and Evan Irwin. Um... But yeah, I was definitely nervous during all three. I've never interviewed anybody before either, so I'm like, uh, what do I even talk about? Like, <laughs> World Wake, I mean, some things are sort of obvious, but I, I didn't really know if I should be, like, having a discussion with them, like, giving more input, almost like I do with you. Like, right. you know, we're sitting here podcasting, and I'm not, like, asking you questions, letting you answer, and then I just ask you another question. It's more a discussion. But a anyway, that's... Uh, Yes, I, I was nervous. Absolutely. Did but you have your questions written down? Very cool. I did. I had them. I wrote them a couple of days before I went, okay. and I kind of modified them slightly as I was there. And some of it was off the cuff. Like I would think sure. of things based on what they had uh, their answers. So yeah, I was kind of nervous. But I want to tell. I want to tell an interviewing story just real for it, yeah. briefly. Um, so me, uh, let's see, myself, my friend Sean. And my friend Mike, who passed away a few years ago, we all wanted to get an interview with Chris Novoselic from Nirvana. Um, so we went to see his band, Eyes Adrift, play at the Black Cat in Washington, D.C. Uh, Eyes Adrift was a band that consisted of Chris Novoselic on bass, one of the Kirkwood brothers from the Meat Puppets on guitar, and uh, Bud Gow from Sublime on drums. And we managed to get set up with an interview, and they didn't want us to interview Chris at first, but we had this website we were doing at the time, and we got an interview with Bud. So, they, so we go backstage, and they're like, okay, you guys can t talk to Bud, uh, Chris is going to be in the room, but he doesn't want to be interviewed, and already we're like fluttering, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like, Chris is going to be in the room, but he doesn't want to be interviewed, he doesn't want to be filmed, so leave him alone. We're like, okay, fine. And they go, no Nirvana questions, no Sublime questions. Okay, fine. So we go into the room, and we shake hands. We all meet. I sit down like on one side of the table, and my friend Sean sits next to me. Like When we're all getting settled, Bud sits across from Sean, and Sean was the one doing the interview, and Chris Novoselic sits across from me. I'm like freaking out. I mean, Nirvana, <laughs> I mean, you know how much we love Nirvana. Um, Okay, so, so we're being really good. So we're like, what the hell? He just sat down at the table with us. We can't film him. We can't talk to him. What are we going to do? So we, we were very good. We kept the camera on Bud the entire time. And Bud's just being a jerk. He's drinking a Corona, and he's answering questions, just like kind of like, blow, like, just like blowing off our questions with stupid answers. And my friend Sean, like, I don't think we had anything written down. We were just going off the cuff with it. Um, so... 
Sean asks a normal question. Sean says, so how's the recording going with Eyes Adrift? And Bud says, well, Ozzy doesn't play with us, man. So my friend Sean shoots right back with, well, you know, Ozzy, Ozzy's done a lot of crazy shit in his day. He's bitten the head off a bat. He can change into a wolf at will. Do you ever think you would bite the head off of a mountain lion to top Ozzy? <laughs> Chris Novoselic starts cracking up laughing, grabs our microphone from Bud and goes, he would bite the head off a USA today. <laughs> and from then on, Chris opened up to us and we got to interview Chris for it too. Pretty awesome. It was really neat. I and mean, the reason why he even said, I mean, it sounds like completely like a random stupid comment that he would make, right. which he was known for, but Ozzy was on the cover of USA Today on April 19th, and it was it was April 19th, 2000, maybe, 2001, probably 2001, anyway, my point is, we got to interview Chris, too, but it was just really funny that, like, you know, Sean was able to come up with that, and, like, not only did he come up with something funny to say right back at Bud, but then he got Chris into our interview through that, unintentionally, sure. But it was just an interesting experience uh, being there and, and seeing like a live interview go down. Um, but anyway, I digress pretty heavily. Um, I just wanted to, uh, to tell that aside because I thought it was pretty funny. Um, for those of you I wanted to mention that might not know, we tend to put things after the song, or we, we occasionally do, just to give you some incentive to listen to the whole song. Um, so uh, I just wanted to mention that in case anybody never noticed that or people that might turn it off early. In fact, I wonder if some people turned it off 10 minutes ago when we said, oh, yeah, let's wrap it up so you can contact us here and do this and that and the other, and we're, like, continuing to talk, right? I swear, it was, like, 15 minutes ago. So uh, I guess let's wrap it up now. And uh, as we mentioned, you can contact us in any number of ways. You can email us, if you didn't mention it, at yomtgtaps at gmail.com. Uh, leave us voicemails. You know, if you want some stickers, let us know. And uh, Facebook group. Facebook, YouTube. I did put up a video. I forgot. It's just like a two and a half minute video about the Magic Cruise. It's kind of like a little music video montage thing. I don't know. It was more for, uh, it was actually more for fun for me to do than, you know, anybody else, I guess. But if you want to check it out, check it out. So check out YouTube.com slash YoMTGTaps if you'd like to take a look at that. Um, I guess that's about it. Yeah. So thanks for listening, and we will see you, or... It will see you if you have an avatar of yourself on your Twitter. That's true. Um, we'll or on Facebook. Or on Facebook. We'll see you. We'll see you on the internet. We'll see you on... We'll see you on the internet.
so this is my you know your old when story of the day. So you know you're old when you go into a grocery store to buy cigarettes and they you ask for the cigarettes that you want. They pull them down and start ringing them up without question. Right, right. And then you say to them, I'm 17. Is that okay? And they say, can I see your ID? And you say, no. And then they sell you the cigarettes anyway. <laughs> I felt so old that I couldn't even refuse for them to see my ID and have them, like, try to not sell me the cigarettes or try to pressure me into giving them the ID. I just said, no, you can't see my ID. And she's like, oh, fair enough, you old fart, and <laughs> handed them to me. I just thought that was great. I was just, that's awful. You know, it's funny, too, though, is when Joe, when Joe went to get his cigarettes, he came out with... Two Dr. Peppers. He was so excited. It was heritage Dr. Pepper made with real sugar. And he shows me. And we're, we start driving away. And he goes, I forgot to get the cigarettes. <laughs> I was so excited about the soda. <laughs> That's like such a little kid thing to do. <laughs> so you might feel old because of that. But I think you can feel young because you were excited about soda. Yeah. I'd never had Heritage Dr. Pepper before. I've had the Mountain Dew throwback. I've had the Pepsi throwback, which are both made with real sugar. But every time I went to go get the Dr. Pepper, they were always sold out. So I found them. I was like, oh, yes. And it was even a dollar off coupon for two, which is why I bought two. So I got two sodas for like $1.19 each. I'm like, oh, man, I'm saving so much money. This is great. <laughs> And then I realized why it was so cheap was because I forgot to buy my cigarettes. 